American Timelines is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. So now I'm obsessed with time. Come on, tell me about the time. Had it all in my head tonight. Had the time of my life when the words all come down like blues on Tuesday. Welcome to another episode of American Timelines. I'm Amy, and that's Joe. And we are back with. Uh, episode 100. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know why I say that if I'm never sure. I always say what number it is and I don't really know. But we have another guest this week yes. um, that we are so excited to have. Uh, super cool surprise nerd, TBJ from the Nerd School Podcast. Welcome, TBJ. Hello. I feel like having a. Yeah, we need one of those. We totally need one of those. I got to add something like that in, like <laughs> mm-hmm. theme music or something. Like, I'm going to put that in my future writer. Yeah. We, must have air horns <laughs> have to mm-hmm. intro. Must have an air horn. Uh, yeah. We, but anyway, Tiffany is on History for Jerks' other podcast, Nerd School. And so we're just hitting it hard with the marketing. That's by, right. By uh, having her uh, here on Promotion. Uh, American Timelines. <clears throat> and yeah. so we're also. Um, I know Tiffany is great at presenting this kind of stuff. So she's a she's a nerd, which works great with history nerd stuff. Um, and so was she chewing on this? Mm-hmm. Okay, our dog was chewing on my paper. Um, and she so she's good at this. I've worked with Tiffany in uh, several other aspects, and she put on something in our Nerdy Night Out show live in Charlotte, and she presented uh, uh, kick-ass female in history biography that's right um of uh, uh remind me who you did ida b wells. oh ida b wells that's right that's right because we talked about women it was during it was ladies rock the vote and we did it like women uh who've run for office and things so ida b wells it was really cool anyway so the way she presented that was so good that i knew she'd be great at this and plus we can uh pump up nerd school and plus tiffany <laughs> brian jackson kicks ass so well thank you thanks thank for being you. here tbj Yes. Thank you guys for having me. I'm really excited. Yes, me too. So we're going to jump right in, and we'll talk a little bit about nerd school later in the episode, like towards yeah. the, at the end, uh, since last week we went on and on and on about TBJ and Art <laughs> Star uh, being the best, and we'll talk about that later. Okay. Uh, so we're going to jump right in. August 1st, 1950 is where we are. That was a Tuesday, mm-hmm. and on that day, the Soviet Union returned to the UN Security Council. I don't know if you remember, a couple months back, I said that they like disappeared, Mm-hmm. And when the UN voted to like join uh, South Korea in a battle against North Korea, the, Russia wasn't there. The Soviet Union wasn't oh. there, and so they might have voted against it, and it wouldn't have happened. Uh, but so they came back after refusing to send a delegate since January, and during the Soviet absence, the Security Council had authorized the UN to enter the Korean War, a move that the Soviets probably would have vetoed, could have vetoed. So. I know I'm not going to get into the the heavy of the Korean War because there's just You're right. stop, there's battles, battles, battles going on. This isn't a war podcast. Yeah, it's not a war podcast. I mean, we talk about politics a little bit, but we really want to focus on the cool, fun, interesting right. events and just kind of just well, like rape and murder, like rape and yeah, like all the rapes. <laughs> and, yeah, right. I guess those aren't cool. R R M. Yeah, yeah. But but it just kind of lets you know what the time is. You know, this is the. Right. Time we're in, where during the Korean War, the MASH stuff was going on. Lance Ito, the judge from the 
OJ trial was born August 2nd. Oh, my God. Those kind of things are happening. <laughs> uh, I got to I gotta work in birthdays however I can. Um, and then on August 4th, 1950, the U.S. State Department canceled the passport of African-American singer and activist Paul Robeson after he refused to sign an oath that he was not affiliated with any communist organizations. Oh. Again, so it just goes right in this whole communism mm-hmm. thing was going on, this, this you know, McCarthyism and just anybody liberal was basically being accused of being uh, a communist. A communist. And yep. In that vein, Counterattack magazine, which purported to identify Communist Party members and sympathizers in the motion picture and television industries, reported that same day that actors Marlon Brando and Burt Lancaster and director, director Elia Kazan were all persons who had a communist front record. And so you know about Elia Kazan yeah. in, in all that. So this was this time. So I had never heard of Counterattack magazine. Have you guys either heard ever heard of that? Mm-mm, but no. it was actually like a newsletter basically just outing people for being communist. Um, and it had... For being alleged. Alleged communists are saying they are. Basically, probably just saying they're liberal. Mm-hmm. It had two missions... One ostensibly journalistic, the other vigorously interventionist. First, it set out to expose everyone it could find who had any connection, however dubious or tenuous, to anything or anyone associated with communism, socialism, the Soviet Union, or any progressive ideology. Then, more significantly, Counterattack sought to rally its subscribers to action against the individuals it targeted. In its assault on performers and production personnel in radio and television, Counterattack exhorted its readers to write protest letters to the corporate sponsors of programs featuring actors with purported links to the left. So just trying to get everybody to boycott stuff. So it's really just like, it's like the MAGA movement is mm-hmm. how I look at it. Mm-hmm. Very crazy. similar. It just never changes. Like, it never changes. Names change, but it's, right. it's so weird. such a scary time, though, The too, target right? is is moving, but it's... It's the, it's the same mm-hmm. yeah. ideology. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in a lighter note, that same day again, the film noir Kiss Tomorrow Goodbye, starring James Cagney and Barbara Payton, premiered in New York City. You know what that is? Not yeah. familiar? So, Mm-mm. you know James Cagney. Yes. Was him. Yeah. But I, well, I, I thought I heard of it, but I wasn't sure. I looked at it on It's on YouTube. It's kind of cool because these movies from 1950 are all free, like on YouTube mm-hmm. now, because it's. I don't know if it's old like public enough, domain or public, something, probably. probably. Yeah. Maybe not, but. I don't know when the public domain is that something big just the great gatsby just became in the public domain this year oh really so they're saying all these and it's just like a time a certain time yeah it's like 75 years i thought whatever it is but a lot of these movies are so old i think they're on there but um but film noir is always interesting to me because i don't really i didn't really i'm not a i don't really know what that means right generally i mean i do now because i looked it up but it's like it's like a crime, 50s crime movies kind of thing. So it's that, yeah, she, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Can you have the dog stop doing that? <laughs> the dog is bumping the <laughs> microphones. Um, so I looked up this movie a little bit, and the film was banned in Ohio as a sordid, sadistic presentation of brutality and an extreme presentation of crime with explicit steps in commission. What does that mean? So it was like just too, too much crime. Okay. It was too, like... I don't know if Ohioans are so pure that they thought people were going to start being bad. But the movie is based on Ralph Cotter, who's a career criminal who escapes from prison and then murders his partner in crime. 
Along the way, mm-hmm. he attempts to woo his ex-partner's sister, Barbara Payton, by threatening to expose her role in his escape. Um, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that they would ban a movie like that. And you, if you watch on YouTube, mm-hmm. it'd probably be rated PG or G even um, right. nowadays. But things are just so different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Film noir is... I felt dumb because I don't really... Cause I'm not really big. When I did improv... One big thing you'd have to do is like a lot of times you'd be get a suggestion of a movie type genre. Whenever they said film noir, I was always like, I'm not sure what that what that is. Yeah. But then everybody starts going, Yeah, she, hey, the crime, you know. (laughs) But yeah, it's like the detective and the the blonde. Then I was always terrible. Yeah, if you could walk into any office in the world, you had to walk into mine. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. That's right. Yep. I was also always bad at like directors of movies, like just like okay, the style of Joel, whoever you know, Joel Schumacher, do it. You know, I was like, I don't know what Joel Schumacher directs. And, oh right, yeah. Um, anyway, and then Saturday, August fifth, nineteen fifty, a bomb laden B twenty nine Super Fortress crashed into a residential area near the Fairfield Swazon Air Base in California, killing seventeen people and injuring sixty eight. Brigadier General Robert T. Travis was one of the fatalities, and the base would be renamed in his honor as Travis Air Force Base. Wow. Have you ever been to that Air Force Base, Tiffany Bryan Jackson? I don't think so. I feel like my Air Force time was so long ago, sometimes even I forget I was in the Air Force. <laughs> That's pretty cool, though. Not a lot of people have yeah. that yeah. experience that I know. Yeah, but you can yeah, drive. It's- Tiffany can drive. You can drive any vehicle, right? I was in transportation, so I can drive your wrecker, your tractor trailer, your buses for dignitaries. What about a tank? Do you ever drive a tank? I did not drive a tank, but I can drive a tractor trailer to haul just about anything you need. Wow. Really? Tractor trailer? It would probably be the same concept. So Yeah, tractor trailers yeah. are intimidating, yes. I would think, to drive. And to back it up and then have the... You know the they are, but I'd rather drive a tractor trailer than the wrecker. I hated driving the wrecker because then you'd have to tie down people's vehicles where they got stuck. Oh, so yeah. that was probably my least favorite thing to drive if yeah. someone broke down. We're in the middle of Alaska, so sometimes Whoa. cars just stop working because it's cold. It's cold. Um, I so if you had to, Alaska. I will, see random fun facts that come out all the time. Yeah. Um, so if a vehicle just stopped working, especially on the airfield. I hated if I had to record it. Oh man! So you just drive over top of it? No, you would. You would load <laughs> it. You would back up, like just like your oh. your AAA. Yeah, I thought it was a wrecker. Like it would wreck the truck to wreck it. <laughs> if, I would like that if it was a wreck. I and I pictured could just you driving over it. top of it. <laughs> so she just. I, you think people are just driving? Oh, we're we're broken down. Please come and destroy my car. <laughs> you just smash it into <laughs> where, the ground where it sits. Turns into the road. Hulk smash. That's I would probably like that job. I, it would get out all my aggression. It was. I would love to see TBJ as like a Bigfoot monster truck. Yeah, just, just crushing crush, cars. Crushing cars. Just <laughs> wreck it. A wrecker. That's <laughs> hilarious. Uh, uh, that's great. Uh, I'm gonna jump to. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump to Tuesday, August eighth. Oh no, this isn't TBJ. Tuesday, August eighth, nineteen fifty. Do you guys know who Florence Chadwick is? No. I know the name. I don't think. Do you? Okay. She, 
Florence Chadwick of the United States swam across the English Channel. Oh, I've heard about that. In uh, in 1950, in 13 hours and 22 minutes, breaking the women's record set by Gertrude Ederly. Everybody knows Gertrude Ederly. No. On August Obviously. 6, 1926. Chadwick arrived on the shores of Dover at 3.59 p.m. local time and became only the third woman to cross the channel after Ederly and Millie Gade Corson, who made the crossing in 1926, also August 28th. Um, do you know how long the English Channel is? Because I, I had to know. Just how, how long did it take her to swim it? 13 hours and 22 minutes. Oh. Can you imagine Ooh. swimming for Can 13 hours? Can you imagine swimming Mm-mm. for 13 hours? I can't imagine you... being in the water for 13 hours. Why would you want to I do can, that? I can lounge in some water for a good minute. <laughs> with a drink but that's in on a hand. floaty. Yeah, that's like on the floaty with a drink. Yeah. I'm not actively swimming yeah, you, oh. for... So in that in, amount of time, you have to go to the bathroom. You have to you take, just, a, yeah, take but a shit while you're you swimming. You pee and poop while you're swimming? Maybe. You're in the ocean. You probably restrict what you eat. I'm willing to bet. Yeah. It's like you have to restrict your diet yeah. to do Maybe it. you want to you want to have like diarrhea. Or may, to help you. Then it just comes out. It just comes out as you're going. And it kind of speed you along. It's not easy. I don't think it's easy to poop underwater probably. No. Have you ever pooped underwater? No. Have you ever pooped underwater, TVJ? <laughs> I can say with confidence that I have not. <laughs> the qu- I thought for sure you'd be like, yeah, in the Air Force in Alaska. <laughs> you know, right? No. Uh, we did not swim. We were not the Navy or the Coast Guard. I should ask my cousin. He's in the Coast Guard. I should be like, hey, yeah, really? in your training, Do you have you pooped in the water? Because I could, I, you know, I've peed in the water, but it's not easy. Like, you have to, like... Think about it. Think about it. Just let it go right. in your trousers or whatever. But, uh, but so it it is three hundred fifty miles. Jeez. Ooh. swimming three hundred fifty miles. That is wow, insane. That's a lot. So that'd be like from here to where? Uh, something that's three hundred fifty miles away. I guess Nashville. Wow, that's crazy. Maybe it's three hundred fifty miles. Maybe. Well, going to my house, my parents' house yeah. up in Ohio is. 559 miles so so just like 200 almost half of okay. that so oh that wow a long that's way to still... swim oh my gosh to swim that long why i know that's why would you insane. want to like i don't understand people like that and then marathon runners i also i just don't I, understand why anybody would want to do you that ran a, did you run a marathon tbj no marathons oh. you ran a 5k <laughs> Yes, I've only done five days. <laughs> it's a and that's about it's a as that's as far as I'm gonna go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna shame you for something exercise related. <laughs> Listen, I, I I don't run as much as I used to. Years ago I did a lot of five Ks. Like there was a couple years where it was like every other month I felt like we were at a five K. But that was to prove to myself I've always hated running. Yeah. Like even when I was in high school and didn't weigh anything, I still hated running. Me too. So I'm with you on that. We'd be out and you'd have to run. You know, I was on the dance team, so we'd have to have summer camps okay. and you'd be running. And I'd be like, I only have to dance for three minutes. <laughs> Why am I running a mile? Mm-hmm. Like this doesn't make sense. I can be out of breath in three minutes mm-hmm. and walk off the court. Yes. What is this running for? Yeah. So <laughs> it was a challenge to myself for those couple of years because I was like, you say you hate running. So let's see if you actually hate it. Um, newsflash, I still hate it. Oh, I do too. Yeah, I hate it so hate much. It. Yeah, I I tried to I ran for a little bit a while in the past few years, just to try to stay in shape. And I like the feeling you get afterwards, like the endorphins. And yeah, everything. you feel great. Mm-hmm. But it's just like the whole time. It's just 
miserable. Yeah, it is. Like, awful. Yeah, I'm not. Some people love while they're running, and I think they're just listen. Different people. Some of us are built different. That, they just have to be because for me, it's almost phys- not physically painful to run, but like I'm almost flat footed. And so mm. I think that has a really big bearing on it because even since I was like in kindergarten. Yeah, you run. Don't say I run funny. You run, <laughs> you run <laughs> unnaturally. I'll say that. You don't look like you should be running. Like if you're no, running, there's an that emergency. That is so not nice. <laughs> that is worse than saying you run funny. <laughs> I know. I mean it in a good way. You run unnaturally. Unnaturally. I just feel like if you're running, there must be an emergency. Like there's some people <laughs> trying like to say like, I'm lazy now. No, I just you don't. I I just don't. I don't know if any. I don't know. I think some people just run. I don't know. No, you're just, just you're yeah. There's you're nothing I can hole. say to get out of this now. Stop so I'll just digging stop. the hole, Joe. Right, what's stop next? digging yes. your hole. Um. So sorry. I don't. I didn't mean it as an insult. You're very beautiful when you run weird. August <laughs> <laughs> Thursday, Damn August tenth, nineteen fifty. Another film noir, Sunset Boulevard. You I've heard of that. that. Yep. It's a Gloria Steinem. Mm-hmm. Starring William Holden and Gloria Swanson. Gloria Swanson. It was Gloria released. Steinem. No, the dogs. Oh, okay, the dogs ruined all, all our wires. It's often ranked among the greatest movies ever made. There's mm. a new dog shaking her collar. As it was deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant by the U.S. Library of Congress in 1989, the film stars William Holden as Joe Gillis, a struggling screenwriter, and Gloria Swanson as Norma Desmond, a former silent film star who draws... Him into her demented fantasy world, where she dreams of making a triumphant return to the screen. Yeah, I think she's, that's the one where she says, "I'm ready for my close-up." Oh, and she's like a crazy person. Yeah. Yep. Do you ever see that TBJ? It's been a long time. Yeah, I don't think I've seen. It. I think it's on YouTube again though. So, uh, I think like if it's one of the greatest movies ever made, I guess I should probably watch it. I would not classify it in my top movies made, but you <laughs> that's just me. Yeah, but yeah. is Iron Man and Batman's in the number one, right? Uh, Listen, The Dark Knight Rises is one of the best films ever made. Really? What about Batman, 1989's Batman? I don't know. I feel like if we're if we're ranking, and we can talk about this later in Nerd yeah, School, if we'll we're ranking Batman that. movies, for me, The Dark Knight Rises is the now top. That's, that's the second and one then, with, uh, what's his name, uh, Christian Bale? Yep. With the Joker. That's the one with the Joker in it? Crazy Christian. No. Or is it the third one? Is that one? No. The first one was Scarecrow and Ra's al Ghul. No, Joker's not in that one. There's the Because you're thinking Batman Joker. begins, the Dark Knight yeah. rises, and then what? Dark Knight Returns or something? I can't remember the third one. Uh-huh. I feel like I'm going to get my Batman card taken oh, here away. Oh, go, Miss Batman. Oh. Because, uh, Tiffany, I've been watching all the Batmans because they're on HBO Max. I've been watching them over the break, and I'm up to that next one that I think you're talking about. I think has Heath Ledger was Joker. That's, yeah, but that's after oh, that's the, the Dark Knight Rises. Oh. Dark Knight um, Rises came out earlier because it was 2012 was Dark Knight Rises came out. Oh. Um. And I loved it so much. I'm going to disclaimer myself, though, because I'm tired, because I just got for work. But Dark Knight Rises is Bane. There's, oh, Bane. There's Bane in that one. Oh, right. That's the one you like? Is the Bane one? I 
do. I love it. I never saw it. Because I don't think you see it coming. But I also think the storytelling was just done really well in there. All right. Like, I like a superhero, but I like storytelling more. Well, Batman's your your favorite, right? Out of all uh, the superheroes? Because I am Batman. (laughs) Yes. Tiff is Batman. Uh, I am. Yes, that's funny. Okay. Anyway, uh, well, who is better between Val Kilmer and George Clooney? Will you stop? Okay, we got to get back. Okay, sorry. We'll <laughs> get back to the podcast. 50s show. Yeah, we'll do that on nerd school. It's not that long. I don't have much. That's why I'm, I'm the, the banter people want to hear about Batman. Uh, maybe not. That's when you say, stay tuned for nerd school. That's right. Yeah, when we'll, we finally review all the Batman. Yeah, we will have the same conversation on nerd school 25 times. August 11th. And there will be an argument with uh, Art and yeah, I. Yeah, that's over a good thing is Art Batman. always pushes her buttons. And they oh, get into yeah. It. Uh, Friday, August 11th, 1950, Steve Wozniak was born. Okay. You know who that is? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Just so you know when he was born. And then Saturday, August 12th, 1950, Hurricane Abel was announced by meteorologist Grady Norton of the U.S. Weather Bureau. It was the first under the new system of naming hurricanes with names rather than numbers. Yeah. Hmm. It produced 140 mile per hour winds but did not make landfall. Prior to 1950, hurricane force storms were identified number by number with 1949 storm 11 closing the previous season. I wonder why they said Abel, why that was the name. I think I you know they start alphabetically. I, I know, think. but why then you'd start with Aaron? Well, I mean there's only one I think day. there's something about who gets to name them too. Oh, yeah, I think it's I think it's like whatever meteorologist like finds it or something. Yeah. Or, and they were probably maybe they were a big Bible guy like Abel, Cain and Abel. Or... I don't know. I don't know. It's a what, mystery in the I moonlight. mean, I guess I could do that research and find out what Grady Norton was thinking. But don't worry about it. Uh, that same day, the U.S. Atomic Energy Commission issued its first book on safety in the event of a nuclear war, entitled "The Effects of Atomic Weapons." Mm-hmm. Editor Joseph O. Hirschfelder wrote in the introduction that just as our ancestors learned to face the perils of cholera and smallpox epidemics so must modern man learn to live with the man-made danger of atomic bomb attack jesus advice included duck and cover advising that within one second after the flash of a bomb to fall flat and double up (laughs) good night yeah you know back then they probably thought there was going to be an atomic bomb yeah every year i mean it was heavy on their brains yeah i can't imagine what just the, walking around thinking any minute it could just yeah, I mean, all our, be over. Our parents and grandparents all yeah. did those drills, I'm sure. Oh yeah. And they probably think we're nuts that you're doing mass, you know, mass Best shooter, shooter drills. drills. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Um, August 13th, 1950 was a Sunday, and the English language. And I know I'm not going to get heavy into the Korean War, but this one I thought was interesting because the English language. We talked about propaganda prod. Pot, Propaganda broadcasts on our yes. last episode. Um, the English language propaganda broadcast of Soul City Sioux that were on the air since June 28th ended after a U.S. airstrike on the North Korean controlled radio broadcast facilities in Seoul. So I had never heard of this. Soul City Sioux was, a, was a spewing propaganda, and mm-hmm. she was an American. Mm-hmm. Anna Wallace Sioux was her name of Oklahoma who had pledged allegiance to North Korea, uh, the North Korean cause, after the invasion of Seoul. After the broadcast tower was repaired, she never returned to the air, so they didn't know what happened to her. It turned out she didn't end up dying, but 
according to PsyWarrior.com, P-S-Y-Warrior.com, mm-hmm. Soul City Sue, her real name, Anna Wallace, became a staple during the war. Reading the name, She would read the names off of dog tags taken from dead American soldiers in a gentle voice with a background of soft music. Her broadcast involved mostly her taunting American soldiers with various unpleasant suggestions and criticisms of their situation. Okay. Um, yeah, so she was a, from Oklahoma, uh, just kind of like a country girl. That she, sound, she sounds like radical. she's got an Asian-sounding name. Well, she married an Asian guy that she met in, I think he was a Japanese guy, and then they ended up moving to Seoul. Okay, uh, She met I him see. in France or something. I did the whole research, but it wasn't that interesting. Just she met him in, in college oh, I overseas. See. Okay. And, married, and then yeah. she decided, yeah. F us? Yeah, she, was just, she just decided? Yeah, I think she just got, you know, indoctrinated. In, like, he was kind of a, mm-hmm. like a radical, but um, she was white as white can be. Like, just farm. Oh, really? Farm mm. white. Yeah. <laughs> like Wow. Yeah. So it's just odd, like, to think mm-hmm. about that. Um and then uh, I'm going to jump all the way. See, I don't have a whole lot. So I'm jumping all the way to the 18th of August. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fred Snyder, who was working on his doctoral thesis at Wichita State University. He was, uh, he was a Ph.D. candidate, uh, completed his experiment in visual perception. After 30 days of having worn inverted prisms, a set of special glasses which turned his view upside down. Ugh. <sighs> After a few mm. days, he found that his brain was able to adapt to the view. Yeah. To the point that he was able to drive a car and watch movies upside down. Yeah. Snyder would later publish his findings in the 1952 book Vision with Spatial Inversion. And Tiffany, I'm glad you didn't pick this one because I couldn't find any other information in that paragraph. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't. But I just thought that was That's crazy. Weird. There, I had a, um, when I worked at that school for kids with real severe disabilities, there was a girl who, she was like, she was basically shaped kind of like a starfish. Oh, yeah. Like, she looked like a thalidomide baby in, back in the 60s when pregnant women would take thalidomide and they'd have these. Isn't it thalidomide? With a T-H? Thalidomide? I think it's thalidomide. Anyway, I don't know. Isn't it? I don't, I don't know. know. Um, we'll it, have to check that one. Yeah. I could Google it. Anyway, um, she, her neck was completely like her ear was touching her shoulder all the time. Oh, wow. And they talked about doing a surgery that would straighten her neck out. But they said that because she'd been like that her whole life, that it would screw up her vision really badly mm-hmm. if they straightened her neck. Because then it would be like if ours were suddenly sideways. Yeah. Like her mm. brain had had figured out so yeah. it's just bizarre she probably would have adjusted now yeah. that we know this guy that was the least of her problems yeah but well it is thalidomide and thalidomide yeah, yeah i only know it from that again the second week in a row we talked about the billy joel song oh children of thalidomide okay i don't I can't remember <laughs> what rhymes that andy would know yeah he when, would. when andy's listening to this episode he will sing that whole he will sing song. the song. He'll sing the, he whole the whole line song. before and children of the lid of mine. All right. Um, now I'm desperately trying to remember what the other line is that rhymes with the lid of mine. But um, yeah, that's yeah, that's crazy. I'm, that's funny that that reminded you of mm-hmm. that. Can you yeah. imagine going through life with that girl who's kind of bent over? And I remember in Chicago one time I was crossing the street going to work in the morning, 
and this old man was walking next to me, and he just same kind of thing. He was completely bent, completely over as he walked. Like yeah, he was looking straight down because his back was bent so far. Yeah, over. I've seen that. Yeah. Wow. And I was like, how does he even? Mm-hmm. How do you even get here? How do you get off the train? How do you know where he's going? But yeah, must, I mean, you adjust and you overcome. Yeah, you f- people adjust get adjust and overcome. People get through so much, and that's why I think yeah. everybody needs to just realize that if you think you got it bad and everything's tough for you, somebody's got it worse. <laughs> Look at this sorry motherfucker over here. <laughs> that motherfucker <laughs> yeah. is, is dealing with something where somebody's always dealing with something way worse. Yeah, and they don't think it's a big deal. Maybe they do. I don't know. It depends on how long they've been dealing. Yeah, I guess. I mm-hmm. guess overnight that would be bad. But Saturday, August 19th, 1950, the American cultural tradition of Saturday morning television being set aside for children's programming officially began on this day with a premiere on the ABC network of two live shows, mm-hmm. Animal Clinic and Acrobat Ranch. Those <laughs> are the first Jeez. children's shows on set. Now, they weren't cartoons, but it was the first beginning of that's children's programming. On okay. Saturday mornings. So 1950. 1950s. Now, Animal Clinic was like, it's like going into the zoo with live animals. But Acrobat Ranch featured Uncle Jim introducing circus-type acts and featured two young gymnasts, Flying Flo and Tumbling Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was silly. Like, those names, those 1950s. It'd be funny to hear a clip of that. Yeah, I'm sure you can on YouTube. I should have brought that up, up and yeah. put the audio on. Um, Too late, I guess. I actually, I don't know. I don't think. I thought I read somewhere that they there's no tapes of it because, you know, back oh. then in the original days, like they, they just tape over it. They tape over everything because tape was so expensive. So I don't know if there's any yeah. recordings anywhere. Yeah, that. that's true. And who would know? You would want to look back on that, right? Mm-hmm. If you're in the middle of the '50s and recording a show, you're not thinking, Mm-mm. "God, people are going to want to look back on this." No, you didn't. You're just amazed that you could broadcast live right? images. You didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. There's so and many some of the actors are probably happy that you can't go back and look <laughs> <Yes>. at them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although if they could get, you know, residuals, I don't. I guess it's not worth much. People that, you know, I think about people on like. What the office that's on forty five channels at once? Yeah, right. like how much money they're each, making each episode. Even if you get three bucks an episode, it's streaming everywhere. Yeah, you got to so. pay every actor that was on it three mm-hmm. bucks, and you got to pay. Mm-hmm. I can't even. I can't even fathom. But um, that same day, uh, the spouse and children of any alien member of the U.S. Armed Forces became eligible for immigration to the U.S. under a law passed by Congress. The new law provided mm. for admission of eligible dependents regardless of existing national quotas, race, or ethnic origin, provided that the marriage took place before March 19th, 1952. But we're in 1950. I don't understand. They they enacted it then. Yeah. As long as you're married before. You have until March 19th. Oh, I see. Okay. I guess to get married. Yeah. Okay. I guess. I'm with you. I don't, I just, I don't know why I kept that in there. I just, anything like that. It's weird to me. Like, that seems right. early for that to be anything that says, regardless of race or ethnic origin in 1950. I'm yeah, surprised. You're like, wow. What? I'm surprised anybody would even think of that because mm-hmm. you just think of it they as. They were desperate for soldiers, though. Yeah, I guess that's true. That is true. The military, so that you give them any incentive. Yeah, I guess The that's poor true. and disenfranchised have always been the majority of our military service. Yeah, I guess that's mm-hmm. true. Yeah, that's, that's still true to this day. Yeah, yes. It's, it's by. It's like who is looking to join, like who is eager to join. It's people, small towns, Mm -hmm. eager to get out. Yeah, I gotta go. It's a 
or it's like steeped in family history. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it is what you do. Like I jokingly call the military, the family business because that it is mm-hmm. every, just about everyone yeah. has done it. I think that's a big thing. That family tradition thing is a big mm-hmm. thing. Like your family, Tiffany, right? Your whole family, like going back. My dad. Yep. Dad served. Uh, mom is currently in the reserves. Uh, brother. That's awesome. Uh, out of 40 something cousins, probably over half of us have served in one way or another. My dad is one of 11 and probably more than half of them have served. Um, some are just retiring. Grandfather served. Like, yeah, it is Yeah. what we've done. Yeah. In your but it started, we're from a teeny tiny one stop light town. Yeah, so it started right. as a way to get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it just warped into this um, crazy thing. Well, it. Yeah. It seems like it is a real valid way out for people who are real poor. Like I had a buddy who's right. Real, there's a lot of benefits. Real super poor, mm-hmm. and he it paid for his college. I right. mean, he, he was like, "I got a free college." I don't know about you, but I am debt free. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Yeah, I guess that's right." And so, I mean, there are definitely. And I will side note: military should be paid more. There are people in the military oh, yeah. who still qualify for public assistance, yeah, which that's, just yeah, seems that's an odd thing to yeah. me. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, but if you utilize your benefits well and if you take the time while you're in, because unfortunately I know a lot of people who were in to get out and when they're done, they didn't really take the time to save, learn, grow. And then they begin civilian life and all these new things are coming at you like rent. Cause you don't have to pay rent when mm-hmm. you're in, you're yeah. not paying rent. You're not paying utilities. Yeah. So your check is your check. And yeah. if you haven't saved well or thought what life looks like outside the military, you yeah. end up kind of screwed all over again. Yeah. I um, see that. Yeah. Well, I imagine you your pay increases as you move up within ranks, right, and get different certifications mm-hmm. and things like ranks and years. Ranks and yeah. years, and yeah, I would imagine that you would. So you could, if you're really motivated, end up making a lot. But, but your life you is out can. of line at the same time. So yeah, you're all you're always at risk. One. Yeah. And you all even if you're making more, like it doesn't always equate to. A living wage. I mean, you do have housing. You're not paying for housing. Yeah. And depending on where you're stationed, some places have really nice housing, no matter what your rank is. And some places still have really the crappiest of houses. Mm. No, but I'm sure uh-huh. so many people are paying for other people's housing. You know, that your family and if mm-hmm. you're married, you know, you mm-hmm. have to pay for somebody's housing. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how we got on that, but it's, yeah, it's crazy. I've always uh, just thought the world of people that serve because I I don't think I have what it takes to do right. it. <laughs> like, no, I, I don't know. My dad, it is a my different dad world. Marines. It's a different world. Yeah, it's discipline that I just don't, I don't mm-hmm. know if I have. Like even right. the, just the physical, being able to physically do that, I definitely know at my age now I can't. Maybe when right. I was in high school I could have. I, <laughs> I mean, Joe, my mom can, so you might still can. Oh, I can barely get out of bed, man. I don't I'm, know. Way, I'm way too <laughs> self-indulgent to ever be in. Yeah, there's not like a services. A box of Oreos that you right. just eat um, or whatever. What no, happens? you've got you've got your yearly um, your yearly weigh-ins and your yearly physical mm-hmm. fitness. Uh, sometimes you. Uh, but fun fact, I did not pass after I had my second child. Really, my weigh-in, obviously, because I had a child. Yeah, well, I had a child, and I threw my back, so it was like the worst circumstances. Because I wasn't as physically fit as they would have liked to pass yearly. 
I was fit enough to do my job. I did my job just fine. But um, so what happens? Man, what happens when you don't pass your year? Your yearly. You so a few, it depends on a few things. Like you get a chance to make it up. In some circumstances, it can affect promotions. In other circumstances, I was on the line because it affected my promotion date. Um, oh. I'd already passed the test to promote, and I couldn't iron on my patch or so on until I physically passed it did you so did it you get promoted a sergeant yes i was becoming a staff sergeant oh, my but guest. i but here's the thing yes. i did all the work i went to leadership school i did all the things however because i could not pass that i was also at the tail end of my service so it was like work really oh. hard to sew on mm-hmm. or you're about to jump out of this joint in a few months anyway ah. um <laughs> so we jumped out. We did not work that hard. Yeah. Because also, if you look at the weights, there are some unrealistic weight standards. It's based on the BMI chart, which yeah, that's a whole nother conversation about yeah. how America set up a BMI chart. BMI chart. Yeah, it's, it's, Listen, yeah. as a black woman, that BMI, it's a lie. <laughs> yeah. It is a lie. <laughs> if, I, if I were the weight that chart suggested, yeah. I would look ill like yeah. i would not look healthy right yeah right. for your height, in any yeah, way shape sure. or form yeah. mm-hmm. um like i know what a healthy weight looks like on me and that is not mm-hmm. yeah. that being my chart is not it people are not universal i don't think in that thing but i'm just picturing you as a sergeant yeah. I'm, I'm picturing of course i just watched officer and a gentleman recently because i'm trying to watch all of robert loge's movies and mm-hmm. so you were lou gossett jr wasn't he a sergeant I didn't get there. I didn't sew oh, on. So I passed my test. So there's a few. So when you get to that level, you take a test. Yeah. And then you have to go to leadership school. Um, most people do not pass the test on their first go. But I was lucky enough to do so um, and get to leadership school. And I was a top performer in leadership school. Like I won the top award. So I did good. Yeah. And you still passed the test to be a sergeant. Physically, I wouldn't meet my physical requirements and some people would let it slide i worked in a very male-dominated office that did a lot of woman sabotaging so there was a lot of campaigns for Mm. me not to get to the final um leg of it so i left without sewing it on i earned it but i left without regardless i am from now on going to picture you beating the shit out of richard gear okay (laughs) i'll take it all right that i can do that's not rank related i can can just just beat beat up anybody yeah that's that's fine Uh, and boy i'll say richard gear was an attractive young man when he was younger all right he's still attractive i see what all the hubbub was about i always thought he was a weird looking older guy but okay that same day (laughs) good night irene by gordon jenkins and the weavers topped the billboard Mm. bestsellers and stores chart because that was the chart you know that song, Goodnight Irene? I probably. Mm-hmm. My dad would say Goodnight Irene every night. What? Goodnight Irene before we went to bed. He'd always say that. He must have liked that song. Was someone time. in your house Irene or he just said no, it? No, we had nobody named Irene. It's a Goodnight he Irene. I love that song. My dad was an <laughs> odd guy. Yeah, he was. Uh, I never knew what he was talking about until I <laughs> read this. I, I, mean, I knew there was a song called that, I guess. But um, Okay. Yeah, my dad would have to be an odd guy to know me and Andy. Mm-hmm. Um, I was about to say, my, yeah, something <laughs> strikes me is not straight laced. Yeah, what? Well, uh, yeah, he was re- actually real straight laced, but he was real. He was very conservative, but he was goofy, but not uh, like mm. not funny. I mean, sometimes he was goofy. Anyway, we'll jump to August twenty sixth, August twenty second, nineteen fifty, where TBJ has a cool story yes. about Miss Althea Gibson. 
So we're going to sprinkle a little bit of Black Girl Magic. Nice. It's a, on August 22nd, 1950. That's good. Bring it to 1950. That's what we've been missing. Yes, it is. Yes. Black Girl Magic. It is. Let's be real, yeah. America. Up until this point, that's what you've been missing. Yes. So uh, think about it. Althea Gibson is 23 at this time. She was born 1927 in August herself. So I'm thinking of this as a birthday present. Like the universe gave her yeah. a birthday present because okay. she was born August 25th, 1927, down the road in Silver, South Carolina. So oh, not far, far from, mm-hmm. here, yeah. from where we are. Um, however, you know, leading to the 30s, life was hard in the South. Let's be real. It's hard in the South for a lot of people, but we farmers were really struggling at that time. So her family relocated up north, Mm -hmm. first stop in Philadelphia, and then they settled into Harlem, New York. So do a little Harlem shake right there, if you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was still tough up north. Her family still struggled to make ends meet. There was public assistance. Um, And she found herself struggling as a student. She was not it in the classroom. She was skipping. She uh, quit at one time. However, sports kept her motivated. If it wasn't for sports, she probably would not have continued in school. Fun fact, she actually started with table tennis. So she did not play on the court initially. Wait, pong? Yeah, well... Officially, table tennis. Okay. Yes, <laughs> okay. ping pong. So she started there. And she, in fact, at 12 in 1939, was the New York City women's paddle tennis champion. Really? So not only did she like dabble, she owned table tennis. Like oh, okay. it was her jam. Wow. Um, but what happened is tennis pros were starting to pay attention, or athletes around were like, wait a minute, girl. You got some talent. And so she was invited to play actual tennis. Um, And there are lots of stories that go on about her having to play like at night when tennis courts were closed because, again, 1950s and prior were not known to be a hotbed of welcomingness for African-Americans. Tennis was, and I would dare say, is still a very segregated sport. I mean, we got Venus and Serena and some others, but... It is a it is a hard battle to fight when you are not mm-hmm. what is considered mainstream tennis. Yeah. Now, so, and that was when was Arthur Ashe? I think, uh, 80s, Arthur, I think. so. It? This was way before 1950. This is crazy. No, I, Arthur yeah. Ashe was still no. It wasn't Arthur Ashe. Who was her mentor? Hold on, I researched it and now I gotta look it up. Um, now, but the, the Serena, yeah, Serena and Venus, like, I don't know anything about tennis, so I might be completely wrong. And maybe you don't know TBJ, but don't they like win every single year, the whole championship of everything? Like one of those, they are not win? as, as they are not as top right now. I mean, they're still killing the game, yeah. but, um, they're getting older and Serena has struggled a little bit coming back from motherhood which, into the tennis game. Which one is game. the stronger of the Williamses? Are they Serena, equal? I think. Serena. No. Serena's got more under her belt. More championships. Um, but I thought I but heard somewhere that Venus thing. is older. Oh, Venus is older. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it was there. So this came because their dad was like, listen, y'all about to dominate this sport. And he <laughs> basically was like Tiger Woods daddy and yeah. had them out there on a court learning something they weren't familiar with. Like they didn't, yeah. they didn't start out saying, Ooh, I want to play tennis so bad. Yeah. It was one of those things where their dad was like, listen, 
You yeah. can we're gonna do a this. thing. Yeah. We're gonna do a thing, and if you're gonna do it, you're gonna be real good at this thing, yeah. and no one can stop you. Yeah. But it's a, you know, they accredit it to a lot of things and being unstoppable in business mm-hmm. and how they carry themselves yeah. because their dad gave them that work ethic yeah. mm-hmm. that you will do it. And even you know, Serena has partnerships with Nike, like. Yeah. Her bank account is doing wonderfully. Mm-hmm. Well, they're very, um, they're so athletic. I mean, you have to be athletic to play tennis. I think. I, yeah. I can't. Yeah. Figure. I've played sports. And I'm mediocre at best at most sports, but and but tennis, I can't. I can't even return one. Like I can't even. I don't get how you know where the ball's gonna go. Like you can't guess where they're gonna, and they're gonna always throw it to where you can't get to. Yeah, I don't. You've got it. You're moving, and you've got to be alert. I think that was what would kill me because yeah. I would get sidetracked. There are yeah. people watching you on both sides. Like, mm-hmm. and not only am I like taking it all in, I have to zone in on this dang on little yellow ball. <laughs> yeah, I can barely uh, hit a ball so- if it's just if I'm standing still and you're throwing it to my bat. Like, yeah. I, you know, you're trying to let me hit it and I can't hit it. But right? And it's not a big ball. It's not a softball. Yeah. Uh, P.S. She's before Author Ash because one of her mentors mentors Author Ash. Okay. Got okay. it. Yeah. So as she is getting really good at playing tennis, her neighbors are like, yo, this girl needs our support. Oh, cool. So they essentially raise money together to get her playing more um, and get her into tournaments and championships. So That's cool. it is her neighbors. So the community who hype came together up. in Harlem to like mm-hmm. support this girl. Right. That's awesome. Um, think Akila and the B when everybody was helping Akila spell, but tennis, make it tennis. <laughs> okay. uh, so that's essentially everyone got together to do that. Yeah. Um, again, Still very segregated. She yeah. was at the top of her yeah. game. She was never going to get into any national orgs. And so at in 1941, the American Tennis Association was formed. And that was the, basically the African-American tennis side of things. Okay. And so she entered that in 41. She wins the New York State Championship because, again, she is a badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing is going to stop that. She's also still in high school at this time. She doesn't Whoa. graduate high school until 19. 19- 46. Okay. Uh, so when I say tennis kept her going, it kept her going because if she would not have been playing and had not had the support of her neighbors, yeah. she would not have gone to class. She would not have gotten to the part where she needed to be there. She would have just so, been a statistic probably, you know, just another. Just living a struggle yeah. life struggle, and just yeah. scrapping in together and making it work. So that brings us, you know, that's the 40s. That's 49. She trains. She's doing her thing. Um, she moves in with a advocate and a doctor in Wilmington to really help her game, Dr. Eaton. Um, he and his family are really there for her. And then she's with Dr. Johnson and family, and they're working on tennis, okay. tournaments, traveling, getting her together. Okay. And Johnson is who also later mentors Arthur Ashe. Okay. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. So he is an avid civil rights activist, tennis lover, enthusiast, and a doctor. And he is instrumental in not one but two tennis legends' lives. Okay. So now we are at 1950 again. Yep. A little bit of black girl magic. She is 23. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I was not conquering a lot at 23. Nope. No. Um, it's probably, you know, still finding my sea legs at 23. I was drunk but... all the time at 23. Yep. I was drunk every <laughs> 33 and 43. Tuesday, spaghetti Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Thirsty Thursday. Then it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yep. I, I think that's still happening now, Joe. <laughs> hey, I'm mm-hmm. a giant beer right here. 
<laughs> so after she's killing the game on the ATA circuit, she's traveling, she's hitting tournaments, she's winning, she's winning, she's winning, but she has not played on the U.S. tournament field, um, which again is primarily white. Yep. So it takes Alice Marble, who is a former tennis champion, a white woman, to be like, listen, she writes a letter. Did you say um, Alice Marble? Mm-hmm. Alice Marble. That's a funny Yeah. Okay. She writes a letter and she basically is like, this is stupid, y'all. Like, she is an undeniable mm-hmm. champ. Mm-hmm. There's no reason she should not be playing at these tournaments. Yeah. And it is that which eventually the United States Championship was like, which is now the U.S. Open. Um, finally, we're like, okay, we'll let her in. So that's when she makes history. In 1950, she's the first African-American woman to play at the U.S. Nationals. Wow. Now, she does win the first round. She loses the second. But listen, yeah. the yeah. first. Yes. At 23, yeah. not only did you play your heart out all these years, but you were able to take a national stage. Yeah, really. And change the game. So, um she still plays for a little while, so that's kind of her big introduction to the world mm-hmm. outside of her community. Um, she goes on to graduate college in 1953. So, number one, shout out to the people for keeping her engaged because not only did she finish high school, she yeah. finished college. college yeah. And this is a girl who was ready to drop out of school really young because she hated being there. Yeah. Um, the U.S. finally is like, all right, I mean, you do your thing. So, in 55, they send her on a goodwill tour. To Asia, so we know what's going on. Yeah. So there right. is a goodwill tour that she's on with Carl Figaro. Figaro, mm-hmm. how do I always say it wrong? Yeah. Um, but she's out there doing her thing. She wins the French Open Ooh. in 1956. Wow. And then in 57, she is finally the first African American woman to win wombington wow um wimbledon Wimbledon. so she is done the darn thing and then she comes back seven years after she came in to finally win the u.s open so she is literally the definition of being a boss some people um likened her career in tennis to jackie robinson's career in baseball wow she becomes the door opener and getting it done um in 58, she repeats. She is winning two years in a row, doing the darn thing. 59, she becomes like, hey, girl, why don't you come over here and play before the Globetrotter games? <laughs> so she's in a contract there where uh, she is taking it to the next level or she felt like she was taking it to the next level. She goes on to play until she retires in the 70s. But one of the things I found most interesting, though, when she read it and she... You know, the world is looking at her and being like, oh, you open all the doors. This is amazing. But she talks about how she looked at her counterparts and they were still getting offers and invites and contracts that she was never getting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So while she may have been the first, the segregation was still very real. Mm -hmm. She still felt it very, very often. And it still to her felt like she had to fight for every chance she got and she made her round and she did some fantastic things um up until 2003 so that wasn't that long ago but that's when she passed away so between her um retiring in the 70s and going on you know she's responsible for 
being the face of Pepsi, getting tennis to kids in areas that normally get tennis. She's left a legacy behind. She's been involved in education pieces of that. But, you know, that's awesome. again, this is August 1950. Mm-hmm. God bless her because she did the damn thing. That's right. In a time where they tried to hold the door shut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she was able to get in and prove that she was worthy. Althea Gibson. And that that's the thing. That's, that's amazing to me that all, she did all that in that time. And we don't hear about her. Like, I know. Have you ever heard of her? No, no. I've never heard of her. I've never heard of her once. Like, she's the perfect. Then you did not get black history books in February like I got as a child. <laughs> that's, um. that's, right. <laughs> that's right. But that's, that's just the thing with. I know the whole the whole thing about women in history that we don't hear about and 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 that, that's the other thing she's not only like you said Jackie Robinson of tennis like she's not only the first African American woman she's the first African American person yeah man yep. and women to qualify for mm-hmm. for the Grand Slam so right yeah. she's only the second African American athlete period to be on a national stage yeah, well, there you so go. that still tells you. You know, yeah. when we say 1950, it is not the idyllic place yeah. for everybody. Yeah. Nope. Um, and you're waiting for doors to be open when you're clearly worthy. Her talent was unmistakable and undeniable. And it took a former top-notch tennis player to be like, you guys, like, you, you can't, we can't keep denying something. Yeah. Uh, had that support not have come, I don't know when the U.S. Open would have been open oh, yeah. to letting that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can right. you imagine those con- you can just imagine those conversations too behind closed doors where Oh you know, people you know it was heated. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. TBJ, that was yes, awesome. Yes, very good. Thank you. Well thanks. You're welcome. I, that's your black girl magic for nineteen. That's exactly or I emailed her I was like, Do you want to do this story or this story? It's like I think I'll yeah. I think what we need is some black girl magic for nineteen fifty. And I was like, just like that's exactly what we need. Yeah. That was great. That was, yeah, I didn't want Perfect. Yeah, it was great. That was so cool. And I've never heard of her, and that's a shame. But yes, there's this is. whole thing like with our nerdy night series we do, we kind of do these female empowerment shows where we talk about these women in history and it's it's crazy how often mm-hmm. that happens that you don't, nobody hears about these women. Yep. These great women. No. They've done everything. Because um, no one's talking about, listen, yeah. let's open your history books and the only women you're hearing about, yeah. even if you hear about them, it's a quick blurb. Yeah, that's like right. Like if you open your books, unless you grew up in a household that talked about it, celebrated it, you know, mm-hmm. were, were finding your resources, you weren't going to know. And I think we've done, we still do that to this day. Women don't get equal say and story time in our history. Right. Um, And we have some badass women who have blazed some trails who don't get proper like, hey, she did a thing. So I always love talking about, I love any chance to hype up some women. Well, that's good. Speaking of kick-ass women in history, so a a few episodes back. We talked about actually might have been like two or three episodes ago. I don't know if you remember AIM that I talked about Catherine Johnson, Tubby Johnson, who was the first girl to play Little League. Yes. And she played, she cut her ponytail off to play Little League. And I found her on Facebook and had messaged her. She's in New York somewhere. She's still, she's still alive. She replied. She wrote a book. She just replied today. 
Oh my uh, she oh replied my to me. I was like, "Oh, I just saw this on Messenger," and I was like, "Oh, I already talked about you on an episode, but I would still love to interview you." But now I'm thinking, after talking to you, TBJ, and thinking about the Ladies History Nerdy Night Out show, I should put her in touch with one of you fine ladies to do, her do something like a story of her. Uh, yeah, and a cool? reminder that March is coming, so that's a good time to do another Nerdy Night in. We could have Jim. her. We could have her zoom in and interview her or whatever. You could. <laughs> Do her whole biography and then bring her on. So yeah, I reached out. I answered but that's, her, but we'll talk. I'll yeah. get her on, but that'd be great. That, Have her funny. in because I think it's good to hear. Like, I don't know if you've ever watched. So there's a video of the woman who ran the first New York marathon. The first the, woman to do it. New York, not and Boston. We talked about the Boston one, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, I think Was, so. She might have been Boston. I, you know, if you, if you said her name, north. we'd probably remember her. Uh, but I don't know if you've ever seen videos, but there are videos of men actively trying to manhandle yes. yeah, this that. woman. They chased her in a truck. Grabbing her shirt and stuff. Running. Yeah. Like, how does her run? Listen, if that girl wants to run 26 miles, God bless her because none of us are about to run it. Yeah. Who, who, you weren't even about to run it, sir. You're just angry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because it's a that, that woman a showing. Yeah, a guy in the suit grabbing her. Yeah, we yeah. talked about that. Yeah, she actually. It's insane oh, yeah. she, to me. She peed herself and had to throw her under her pee-covered pants. But that's common, I guess, in America. Yeah, I mean, but, it's common when you're running. <laughs> what are we talking about right now? <laughs> no, but but it's thing. like, yeah. it's these women who are doing these things. And I, I wish we had more. You know, we can we only know so much about Athea, but I wish we had more because I can guarantee you there are stories yeah. about mm, yes. when she took the court and what that looked like and what people were saying. Because I know from Venus and Serena, oh, the yeah. reception wasn't always warm when they took a court. No. So take that right. times Still 1950. Still to this day, anything Serena or Venus do. Well, remember when, uh, I can't remember which one it was that, I think it was Serena that got mad at uh, – I mean, I don't watch any tennis, but I heard about it. Like she, Where she got upset she and then she, and it's like, yeah. Everybody does that, but if she does it. And oh, it yeah. wasn't even aggressive. She's and being she an aggressive at, woman, you yep. know. Aggressive uh, black woman. Black woman or whatever it is. Yeah. It's like, it wouldn't be the same if she was John McEnroe. Meanwhile, John McEnroe, yep. He got to just, do whatever Just he destroying tennis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That dude was out here destroying tennis clubs. Just bang, bang, bang. That guy's and she literally tennis. did not directly yell at anyone in particular, yeah. but out of frustration because you're an athlete, yeah. right? Michael Jordan gets a free pass for being an ass to all his teammates because he wanted the best. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he, so he was allowed to be an ass. And we basically watched a documentary where he's like, yeah, I was an ass because I was driving them to better. Yeah, right. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to, to be a woman, to be a black woman, to walk in the door you are not allowed to be anything other than great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even then, the barriers don't stop. The reception yeah. is still cold. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know. It's bullshit. So. Yeah, it's bullshit. We got a long way to go, and I think that's the big thing is that even though it's 2020, I think people need to realize. like 2021, Joe. Everything's all, oh, shit, it's 2021, yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah, jeez, that's crazy. Yeah, it's 2021. Okay, we're going to get through. We're going to jump to Amy. So thank you, Tiffany. That was awesome. I knew you'd be great at this. I'm so glad to have you. And we will definitely have you back if you're willing to come back after this. But uh, because you're so (laughs) good and succinct at that. That you have that that black girl magic about presenting the story. So um, I love storytelling. Yeah, you're so good at it, too. And everybody loves you. 
Friday, August 25th, 1950, <laughs> mm-hmm. the U.S. hospital ship USS Benevolence sank in San Francisco Bay after being rammed accidentally by the freighter SS Mary Luckenbach Oops. while both were sailing in a dense fog. No patients were aboard the Benevolence because, try to say Benevolence, benevolence. After, having, after having three giant beers, uh, because it was on a trial run to prepare for service in Korea. But 31 of its 523 civilians and military personnel drowned. Oh, my goodness. 31 people bad. drowned because they crashed into each other. Wow. <clears throat> and I'm going to jump. That's going to. That's all I got. Um, okay. Until August 29th, which is a Tuesday of 1950. Actually, I have. Oh, that's the same day that you're going to tell me something that happened. Mm-hmm. The same day that the first United Kingdom troops arrived in South Korea as two battalions of the 27th Infantry Brigade Brigade reached the UN bridgehead at Pusan. So the UK joined in the fray. Got that's it. That's my thing. So, yeah, so you're going to tell us. I don't even know what you're t- covering. Well, I am going to cover, and this last name is very difficult. Okay. It's D-U-S-Z-A. That's so the Dusha family murders is what I'm going to talk about. Oh, this is the Dusha family murders. D-U-S-Z-A. Dusha. The Dusha family murders. Okay. So, um, on Tuesday, oh, I got my information from eastgreenwichnews.com, but an article by Bruce Mastrocchio. Bruce Mastrocchio. That's a cool name. And the Boston Globe and the Star from August 31st, 1950, and the Star News from August 31st, 1950. Okay. Isn't the Star News like a tabloid? I can't remember. I don't know. I know when we had the Scottish fellas on there, they told us whatever reference you were using. It's just a tabloid. That's a complete tabloid rag, but that's funny. Okay, anyway. So the Providence Journal headline said, Five known dead in East Greenwich. Sixth feared lost. Three victims are children. Blaze puts phone out of action, delaying alarm in lonely section. Oh. So the firemen recovered five bodies that day. Ooh. Fred Doja... 39, his pregnant wife, Beatrice, 31, and oh. their three children, Beatrice, 11, Catherine, 8, and Gail, 3.5. I told you to keep children out of this. Missing in the count was the body of the border, Edward Reynolds, 27. A 27-year-old border? That mm-hmm. means there are people living with him, yeah. right? Yes. Now, a border would be different than a landlord because they're living with him, mm-hmm. right? He's living there too? That's right. Okay. So, But his th- body's missing? Yeah. Oh, so he's the murderer. So there was evidence that the fire started in the cellar, then quickly spread through the two-story, seven-room house that Doja hit, had built himself. When a neighbor discovered it, the house was already an inferno. Just after 4 a.m., the light from the Doja phone came on at the switchboard in the Greenwich Exchange, but the operator got no response. The whole party line phone system in the area was shorted out. Oh, it's party lines. We talk about that sometimes. It's, that's mm-hmm. how things were in the 50s. That's right. Another neighbor drove the four miles into town and raised the alarm. When the firemen got there, the house was pretty much in ruins. The fire appeared to have started under, the stra- under strange circumstances because Leon Gendron, father of Mrs. Doja, said the house had no heat or cooking fire. Oh. 
So Mr. Doja was a hard luck soul who had lost an eye in one accident, fingers from his hand in another, had at least two other accidents, and had lost his pig farm in another town to bankruptcy. And his house was once struck by lightning. (laughs) Poor guy. Some people people just have everything. All the cards stacked again. Middle name Job. I feel like we're in the biblical storytelling. (laughs) Yes. The first body was found at 8 a.m. Subsequently, the firemen found four more. Despite intensive searching, the volunteers could not find the body of the itinerant boarder, Edwin Reynolds, who was staying with the Doja family and doing odd jobs there so he could be close oh. to his estranged wife and children who lived just up the road from the Doja pig farm. Oh, I see. Border, like he's staying with yes. them. He, they're not staying with him. No, right. That would be a boardy. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't about. know. Border is, a, I, I'm stupid. He had been the separated from his guess. wife yeah. the previous Christmas day after being married for eight years. So then the questions start to surface. Wait, Christmas Day they broke up? Yes. Poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, he's, not the, guy with, he's not the guy with everything, the fingers and all this. No, the, no, that's, that's the, the, da- the, the farmer. Father. Yeah, the farmer. Reynolds was found. So it was, it, they search, they realize that he's missing. Yeah. They, they search and search. Finally, they find him at the house of his estranged wife less than 24 hours after the murder. Oh, and he quickly confessed. Oh, right away. So I murdered yes. this farming family that took me in. He, this yes. downtrodden pig farming family. Super nice. Everything against them. I murdered them. Well, he was not. He was cool and not nervous, according to reports. That means he's crazy, right? As, detail, as he detailed the slow-paced slaughter in the seven-room house on a lonely farming mm. section on the edge Ugh. of town. The murders started about midnight after Mr. Doja's fought. Mrs. Doja's father left after a Monday night visit. So the father-in-law's there. Yeah. He he leaves. And then Doja accuses Reynolds. The border. Yeah. Of being the father of Mrs. Doja's unborn child. Oh, he thinks there's an Mm. affair going on. Yes. And the twist. Yeah, that is the twist. And in the confession, he admitted he was the father in fact. Oh, whoa. This is tawdry. So he had been a boarder at the Doja home since the previous December when he became... A, oh, I already said that. Hold on. Yeah, when he left his wife on Christmas Day. In his confession... To go have an affair with the other guy's wife. Yeah. Yeah. In his confession, he stated that it started with a fist fight. And that he stru- <laughs> then he struck Doja with a chair. Oh, like full WWE action here. Then crushed his skull with the blunt end of an axe. While Mrs. Doja looked on terrified. Holy crap. So then Mrs. Yikes. Doja, or Mr. Doja didn't die right away. Oh. Mrs. Doja started begging him to call the doctor. He ordered her to sit with him, and he smoked several cigarettes. Because <laughs> then, so you got to picture it. It's 1950. These cigarettes, number one, don't have filters. No. Number two, you call the doctor any time of day and night, and they come to your house yeah. with a bag. That's right. So first he told her he was going to kill her. Then he told her he wouldn't. But when she left the room briefly, he got a silk stocking from a drawer. When she came back mm. and sat in a chair, he came up behind her and garroted her with the stocking. Oh, she didn't fight much, geez. he said. She, oh, she just. After oh. both murders, he drank coffee and smoked several more cigarettes. Eleven-year-old oh. Beatrice then came into the kitchen. Oh man! She started crying when she saw the bodies of her parents. As you, as you would. Yes. As right? you should. Reynolds told police he choked her with his hands, then strangled her with a necktie. Nice. So what then, the heck, man? I know. That's crazy. So then he sat there some more, 
smoking and drinking coffee amidst the three bodies. And there's two more kids in the house, right? Yes. Sleeping? Yes. How do they sleep through all this? I don't know. Well, they're children. children well, sleep he went up. It, they're up in the attic. Is how. Oh. So then he went to the attic, and got two pieces of clothesline. Oh. So he went to the children's bedroom where he garroted three-year-old Gail and eight-year-old Catherine. What are you saying? Is the verb garroted? Garroted. Yeah. It's, that, was it's that just a, mean choke? Yeah. No, it's you take a, a string and you. Oh, you do like go a around, knot. Not a knot. You, you twist it around and then you pull. Yeah, like a, like you're tying a shoe, but yeah. their heads are right. in the yes, correct. Oh, that's called garroting. Yes, and that's mm. a garrot. This is, is what you would use to do that. This is just lingo that murder lovers know. It's it. I thought it was pretty common parlance. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> what, did, what did you just say? <laughs> parlance. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Are, am I talking to my grandmother over here? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway. No, she's just testing your SAT words. Yeah, That's right. Got, yeah, she's, well, I'm failing miserably. You are. You had too many beers. Well, no, I don't know those words and I'm sober. So then he dragged the bodies of the parents to the bedroom and then he took Beatrice up to the children's room, little Beatrice, up uh, to the children's room. Uh, when it got to be about three o'clock in the morning, he siphoned gasoline from his car, put it in a tea kettle and sprinkled it about the home. Oh. He emptied the kettle around the sofa and across the living room carpet. He That's sat there for thinking. some time, then he lit a match and threw it near the sofa. After the building burst into flames, he stood and watched it for about 10 minutes until he heard the fire trucks. Then he went into the nearby woods where he hid all day. Oh. Neighbors said the fire trucks were delayed because the party line phone had been short-circuited, which I had already mentioned. Now, I think, I think where he went wrong is, you know, you said from the beginning... Everybody was dead in the house, was on fire, and they couldn't find this guy. Yeah. So right away we knew it was him. If he would have just, like, laid somewhere, like, nearby or, like, given himself some burns. Yeah, so that he, he looks like he survived it. Like, burn, like, you got to have some sacrifice. Yeah. You know, but he survived. Or yeah. not kill the children. So it's not automatically you. Well, then carry them out. Yeah, like, carry the children out, especially the last yeah. two. Yeah, really. Like you found them. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You came in and saved them. You got home and the house was on fire. Right. But True. I but obviously if you're kill if you're murdering children in their sleep with a garroted or whatever you're saying, mm-hmm. if you garrot children, there's something wrong with you mentally and you're kinda of not gonna get away with this anyway. That's right. I guess. So then that night he went to the house of his estranged wife, Mrs. Betty Reynolds. Okay. But she was not at home. Oh, she was but out. Somebody the- stayed there at her house. Even though she wasn't there, he went in. Oh, he stayed there. Yeah. So all day on August 29th, it was first believed that Reynolds had perished in the flames because the body the body of a man was discovered in the ruins, but police weren't able to establish the identity. Really? So while they were unable to locate a sixth body and the medical examiner found remnants of silk stockings and cords around the body of Mrs. Doja and the children, the police sent out an APB for both men because they didn't yeah, know whether know. it was yeah. the dad or yeah, you wouldn't the know mortar. If burned that bad. Edwin Reynolds, 27, confessed slayer of a family of five, languished in a Providence County jail cell under special guard, awaiting the arrival of what they called alienists, which are the psychiatrists, who will conduct mental tests. That was in, in the 1950 paper. They, they called psychiatrists alienists? Yes, that's what they called them. Wow. That's, that's uh, 
uh, I don't know. This is, I'm getting this from this 1950 article. Yeah. The emotionless father of three, whose estranged wife described him as a guy who wouldn't even kill a chicken, pleaded guilty to five counts of murder. He was arraigned before District Court Judge James W. Leeton in the council chamber of the East Greenwich Town Hall on Main Street. He maintained an icy nonchalance as he stood charged with the slaying of his former friend, his friend's wife, and their three children. The, George, the judge ordered a plea of innocent given as he held the rubber plant worker for a grand jury hearing October 23rd. All right. Let me just just a little bit. Left. I really wish we could compare mm-hmm. this guy to the the husband that she cheated with to see who's better looking. But you can't, right? There's no pictures of them on the Internet. Is there? Yeah, I don't think. I couldn't find any. Yeah, I don't see much. So I mean, it, it, you're digging. You dig pretty deep to find a murder for every single month of 1950. It is was good. very hard. Yeah. So <laughs> um, so many murders. She said she would stick by her husband to a point, but it was also mm. learned that she was making plans to move out of East Greenwich to another community. That's Mrs. Reynolds we're talking about. Yeah. Um. So. Anyway, they go through the trial. Um, the judge. Leaves the courtroom and the cameramen were given time to take pictures of Reynolds standing at the rail flanked by two police officers still wearing the soiled white T-shirt and dungarees he had on when he was captured. <laughs> dungarees. Yeah. Are the old person <laughs> term for jeans. I do know that word. Oh, OK. My grandma used to say dungarees. Get your dungarees and put them on the Davenport. Yeah. <laughs> Before he was taken out, police went out and moved the agitated crowd back enough to give a wide path from the courthouse to the waiting cars, waiting to take the mass murderer to prison to await trial. When Reynolds appeared, the crowd shook fists and yelled at him. As he was put into the car, the crowd broke and surged around the vehicles, some to get a peek and some to scream their thoughts at the killer at least one more time. So at the end, he was given a life sentence, but in about 2016 or so, I couldn't find out. He either died or he got out of prison. It was the Oh really? Yeah, he was ninety two years old. At what, that wait, point. when did he get sentenced? Did In nineteen fifty three. Oh. Oh, you never gave me the October twenty third date, did you? Yeah, she said it. You said something happened on October 23rd? The judge ordered a plea of innocent given as he held the rubber plant worker for a grand jury hearing October 23rd. It was part of that quote. You said that and I was like zoning. I was trying to look for his picture. Yeah, there's no pictures, I don't think. I'm just taking the fact that his wife was like, I'm going to try and stand by him. Girl. Yeah. Y'all weren't even together and he had a whole affair (laughs) and got her pregnant. I know. That's right. Well, I was uh, the reason I wanted to say that date because I thought you were doing this October twenty third. That was the same day that film actor Errol Flynn was served with a criminal summons on the day of his marriage to Patrice Wymore in Monaco, and he was charged with the rape of a sixteen year old girl a year earlier. Yeah, I've I've heard that. You've heard that about Errol Flynn? Uh I didn't know that. Oh yeah. No, that's crazy. He was like, yeah. Crazy. Oh, that's Mm -hmm. awful. I mean, things were so crazy different then, like. Well, that's that's a. I can't believe you found another murder I for know. 1950. That's hard. I mean, there's so that just shows you there's we are a murdering species. We are. That's right. Right. Like we just. I used to think people were like 
default good yeah right like yeah. everyone's default you might got a little off your 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 right. job got turned a little wonky but the more i listen to true crime i'm like Mm-mm, i know maybe the good is the oddity because it seems like there is a lot yeah that's right you're right i think we're default bad and we got to stop looking at oh they you know they had that bad influence when they were younger or they had this happen to them let's look at what happens to the good people and try to figure out what makes them good yeah like, what what did they overcome cuz you're yeah. born bad i guess well something made them not be good might be bad like yeah or they were bad turned yeah. good i don't know now i feel like we should say the good more because i feel like cuz even you know proclaim good people when you read some of the crimes of like this was a doctor and this mm-hmm. was an upstanding citizen yeah. and you're like oh yeah but you just you killed 10 people or you raped yeah. everybody in town <laughs> that's so. right <laughs> raped everybody in town. yeah that's i guess although we should say we do have to say it's kind of boring if we just talk about all the good people like right let's talk about martha volatable she sews every weekend and she <laughs> uh made a scarf for her neighbor bill but the thing is you have enough material to talk about the bad that means yeah. there's enough there's material enough out there there is a lot of material. and it's not like mm-hmm. it's not like damien evil it's just like one day i was at lunch with my you know my girlfriend's husband and he found out so i kill everybody <laughs> yeah like, really <laughs> It's not like anyone was plotting. It's like, you know, I didn't like my husband so much. I gave him arsenic for dinner. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it is, it is not these snappy moments. It's yeah. like everyday people. And there's enough history of everyday people just deciding, I mean, I could just kill her. Yeah. I'm just going to murder yep. someone. Now. That's right. In their life. Well, and then the last day of the year was a Thursday, August 31st. And all 55 persons on board TWA flight 903, which had a scheduled final destination of New York City, were killed when the Lockheed L-749 Constellation crashed shortly after taking off from Cairo. The flight had originated in Bombay, now Mumbai, and was on the way to its next scheduled stop in Rome when it crashed. Bummer. And that was the only thing about that day that I had. But that is the end of August. All right. And this has been a cool episode, you guys. Together, you lady power. Like I, I'm liking this having two ladies because you guys are smarter and better than me. We make um, you look, you look that good. right. Yeah, it's like with Jessica and Tara mm-hmm. and now TBJ. Like, it's just you guys are better, and I just rely on you guys to do all the heavy lifting. <laughs> yeah, and then I just talk about Nerd School. So listen to Nerd School podcast. TBJ, tell us about the Nerd School podcast if people haven't heard. Sure, Nerd School is one the best. If you do, <laughs> take a little break from true crime, this is come from me, a murderino. Take a little break from true crime and dig into what nerds really know about nerddom. So we are three nerds. We've got a super high level nerd in Andy. Uh, we've got a pretty high nerd in art, but you art wouldn't star. know it. He's a art different star. Kind of nerd. And then you have me, which is the surprise nerd. If I don't bring it up or you hadn't talked about my favorites and nerd them, you would never know uh, how much I live in the nerd universe. That is and true. right now we're walking through the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Joe and answering all of his questions. I have a lot of nerd questions. Yes. You do. Yeah, and we we're answer covering, them. We're recording tomorrow, and we're covering Thor. But, but if you're listening to this episode, you if you're listening to this on the day it came out, this Wednesday, 
a new episode of Nerd School is out, episode six, I think. You don't even know. I think we're on six. You're, you're under ten, and you don't know. Well, I don't know which one <laughs> I put. I don't remember which one I put out. He j- he's just put. He's just. But we're talking about playing Hulk. them out. Yeah, we're yes. talking about the Hulk from 2011. Okay. Yes, we're talking Ed about Norton. the Ed Norton Hulk, which is often forgotten about. Yeah. People um, forget that Ed Norton even played the Hulk. Yes, plenty of people do, and I think he's okay with that. But yeah. we talk mm-hmm. about it anyway. So it's just a gang of friends nerding out joe learning some things that he did not know us being very patient (laughs) our star and i arguing about random things i mean there are arguments over tom cruise there are debates over don Cheadle versus what's his name i'm not gonna say his name because he don't matter i said i'm not gonna say his name she's clearly in the Cheadle camp yeah Uh, and that's that's it is just a fun a fun vibe. So if you're looking for some fun vibes from some nerds, <laughs> who knew fun vibes and nerds together? Yeah, that's right. It really nerd. does. And, and TBJ and Art really bring the cool, like they they make it cool to kind of be a nerd. And so, and, and they, I'm glad you say patient because I do have, because they'll be talking <laughs> real fast and they'll be talking about something that I've never heard of. Right. I'm like, wait, wait, back it up a little bit. What are you even talking about? And it's a thing nerds take for granted. And sometimes I think they're exasperated that I don't even know what they're talking about. Yeah. And they have to dumb it down for me. But I think that'll be that makes it accessible to everybody. Like you don't have yeah. to be you don't have to be a super comic nerd to, no. to to get something out of it. You can be an everyday right. Joe like me. An everyday Joe. And yeah. you learn something about, you know, all these movies that are coming mm-hmm. out. You know? And I think it's great because even if you've watched all the movies, you know, there's backstory we're talking about. Um, you know, when we're talking about Ed Norton and his decision to no longer be the Hulk. And, you know, we're talking about the the first appearance of certain people in comics and what that looked like um, when we're talking to Joe. So you're taking yeah. on more than just a movie. So that's pretty fun, too. Yeah, it's really cool. And TBJ is fun to just talk to and BS with, too, as is Art Star and my brother Andy, who I've always just called Andy anyway after any Marvel movie, any superhero movie at all, mm-hmm. or nerd movie, even Star Wars movies. I'd call him, be like, okay, what the hell is a midi chlorian or whatever? And he nerds out for me and, give, and makes it understandable for a normal person uh, who doesn't live in that nerd world. So right. I thought that's an interesting thing to make a podcast about, and we'll see how it goes. And then we added TBJ and Art because one day they were just talking super nerd. And I couldn't believe they were We were, were nerds, fighting so. over something. It was either yeah. we often fight over good versus bad, That's light it. versus the dark, dark side versus light side. Um, and yeah. we take it into more than one area. So I think the day you got us, we were talking about Kylo Ren yeah. <laughs> um, and fighting. And but that, you know, we talk about it in relation to but every superhero and villain. Well, you so know. in depth, like they got so in depth about it. So I had a million questions for those guys. Well, because I had to question my friendship with him that day because (laughs) he believed in something that I just find a no-no. Well, and then Andy walked in, and this whole conversation went on forever. And then somebody walked in and was like, this sounds like a podcast. So we're like, let's do it. So And it's nerd school, and it's fun. Anyway, thanks, everybody, for listening. It's time to go. Time to get out of here, Chuck Berry. And let Dale through. That's right. That's my new thing. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, it's 2021. This is the first episode of 2021. Yes. Yep, so... Thank you, TBJ. You're our first Thank guest you of 2021. So much. Yes, Thank you both. You. Thanks TBJ for having me. Yeah, we'll definitely have you back for sure because 
you give us great content and sound bites. Well, you can't get rid of me. And Amy, I don't know if he's told you, but I I told him we were friends before I ever met you. So <laughs> yeah, he's always told me that. Yeah, I want so, you two to I want you two to make a buddy action flick where you guys have your style <laughs> with your glasses and your fancy hair and your flowers and everything, and you guys just kick everybody's ass. I, it's in the works. Let's, let's uh, yeah, it I'll throw my back out, but we'll yeah, you'll throw your back out. Well, we we'll, can, have, we'll have doubles. My back is no good. That's right. Yeah, All right, that sounds good. CGI. Anyway, thanks good. for listening, everybody. Thanks, yes. TBJ, for being here. We'll see you next time and check her out in Nerd School. Yes. And Aim, I'll see you in the kitchen later. Yep. See you in a soup. All right. Good night, everybody. Timelines is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Thank you. Love you.